You're listening to another episode of Living Well with Eisenhower Health. Healthcare as it should be. Here's Bill Klaproth. So what is atrial fibrillation or AFib? Are there any signs or symptoms? And what are the treatments? Let's find out with Dr. Leon Feldman, board certified in internal medicine and cardiovascular disease, also board certified in clinical cardiac electrophysiology, and Dr. Andrew Rubin, also a board certified electrophysiologist, both from Eisenhower Medical Center. Dr. Feldman and Dr. Rubin, thank you so much for your time. Dr. Feldman, first off, what is an electrophysiologist? That's a bit of a long and complicated name to mean a heart rhythm arrhythmia specialist. So it is a subspecialty of cardiology. It requires some extra fellowship training and testing. And then you get to focus on the electrical side of the heart. Mostly that means heart rhythms and the related disorders from the heart rhythms. And then that leads us to atrial fibrillation. And Dr. Rubin, can you explain to us what is atrial fibrillation or AFib as it's known? Atrial fibrillation is one of many types of abnormal electrical heart rhythms. It's actually the most common type of abnormal electrical heart rhythm and has been increasing in diagnosis around the world significantly over the past several decades and is expected to continue to increase. It typically is associated with a variety of symptoms and a variety of poor outcomes that I'm sure we'll discuss later. And Dr. Rubin, is it true that 30% of people have AFib and it's undiagnosed? AFib in a minority of patients is associated with minimal to no symptoms. And unfortunately, in those people, the first presentation of atrial fibrillation may be stroke. So there is community awareness of better ways to try to detect this silent AFib subgroup. So then, Dr. Feldman, these people are at greater risk for stroke. Is that right? The number one job of a physician who is treating a patient with atrial fibrillation is to prevent the disastrous outcome of a stroke. Patients who have atrial fibrillation can have up to a five times greater risk for stroke than a similarly aged cohort. And so it makes up a significant amount of strokes, especially as you get into the older population. And the stroke is caused by a small blood clot that we think form in a portion of the left atrium that can break out and go to the brain. It can also go to other parts of the body and cause similar but not quite as disastrous complications. So as we've talked about, a lot of times AFib goes undiagnosed. So Dr. Feldman, are there any signs and symptoms of AFib? Is high blood pressure a sign? Or if someone is getting that flip-flop feeling in their chest, is that a sign? For sure, the flip-flop feeling is a sign of atrial fibrillation. People also report things like this that are called palpitations. And it can come in a number of forms. They can feel like a fluttering sensation in the chest or a vibration in the chest. Other people feel shortness of breath or fatigue exercise intolerance, general weakness and malaise. All of those things can be symptoms of atrial fibrillation. Sometimes people even present with chest pain or signs of heart failure, such as lower extremity or leg swelling and that kind of presentation. While hypertension or high blood pressure itself is not a sign of atrial fibrillation, people with high blood pressure often are at higher risk for having atrial fibrillation, and that's why those two disorders are closely related. Dr. Rubin, if someone feels these things, like Dr. Feldman was just explaining to us, what should someone do who has these signs or symptoms? Is it a visit or a call to the primary care physician first, or should they go right to a cardiologist? 
the answer is quite variable. It depends if this is the first time they are feeling the symptoms and how severe the symptoms seem to be. So if someone has a known history of atrial fibrillation and they have what feels to be a recurrence, then they've been to this rodeo before and they will conduct however they've been instructed to conduct previously. If this is the first time and the symptoms are quite bothersome, then likely in a visit to the emergency room is probably the best way to go for the first time visit to clarify whether this is atrial fibrillation or not, and if it is, to give the appropriate therapy. And then Dr. Feldman, what are the common treatments for AFib? Are there medicinal treatments that can treat this? Like we talked about, the most worrisome complication, especially as you get older, and accumulate signs is to minimize the risk of a stroke. So the medicinal treatment for atrial fibrillation in many people, the first one is anticoagulation, which can be warfarin or coumadin or one of the novel agents, the newer agents called Xarelto or Eliquis or similar. That is the first order of business with treating atrial fibrillation. Afterward, the decision needs to be made as to whether people can stay in atrial fibrillation and feel okay with it just keep the heart rate well controlled, or whether to go in and try to correct the atrial fibrillation. You can simply correct it with a shock treatment, which means a thing called a cardioversion, which is a very simple cardiology procedure to reset the heart rhythm. There are anti-rhythm drugs that can be used to stabilize the heart rhythm as well. And in the more invasive sense, and things that are becoming more and more commonly done, are ablations to actually treat or try to cure the atrial fibrillation in order to minimize long-term medicine exposure and potentially do better long-term. Okay. And then, Dr. Rubin, what if the typical prescriptions don't work? Are there other treatment options or new advancements? Or is there a risk to being on blood thinners for too long? Do they stop working in some people? There's a multifaceted approach to the treatment of atrial fibrillation, as Dr. Feldman was discussing. One is providing proper speed control to the atrial fibrillation, which can usually be handled with relatively benign drugs. Number two is whether you need to regain a normal rhythm as opposed to living in atrial fibrillation, and those may involve a number of different anti arrhythmic drugs, as mentioned, or proceed with ablation, which is a curative type procedure, which has done increasingly frequent around the world over the past 15 years. In terms of the third aspect of treatment, that would involve anticoagulation, as mentioned by Dr. Feldman. The blood thinners are very effective, but blood thinners are, by definition, blood thinners carry the risk of bleeding. And there is a significant percentage of patients who cannot take blood thinners. It's not that the blood thinners don't work. They just may be difficult to take because of compliance reasons and remembering to take the drug or bleeding complications. And then, Dr. Rubin, are there any other treatments that exist beyond prescriptions or what we've talked about? In terms of the curative ablation, there are many facets of ablation that could be discussed with evolving techniques which seem to have better success and less risk to the patient. And in terms of anticoagulation, as we'll be discussing, I suspect shortly, the Watchman procedure, which has now been done about 120,000 times around the world. 
in addition, when we're talking about what are the treatments that exist beyond prescriptions, Dr. Rubin nicely pointed out that curative ablation is available. And I'd like to point out to our listeners that we've been doing curative atrial fibrillation ablations at Eisenhower for about 15 years now. And in so doing, we're doing atrial fibrillation ablations routinely every week. And so we have a robust program here for atrial fibrillation. And more than that, we have some of the most modern mapping and treatment equipment available here. And we were one of the first centers in the United States to use some of this new equipment. And so we've been able to build a special program at Eisenhower and that is able to take on most atrial fibrillation patients as they would almost anywhere else at the major centers. Thank you for adding that in, Dr. Feldman. And then let me ask you this. Since Dr. Rubin brought up the Watchman procedure, what is the Watchman procedure and how is it done? Watchman procedure is a relatively new technology that addresses patients who need blood thinner to prevent a stroke, but may be having difficulties with blood thinner, either because it's hard to take the medicine on a regular basis, because of remembering to do so, or have competing medicines, and that makes it contraindicated, or perhaps there are bleeding complications. One of the most difficult patient populations to use anticoagulation are those who are frail and unsteady on their feet, and then are at risk for fall and traumatic hemorrhage. So those patients we'd like to offer an alternative. Watchman came out a number of years ago. It's been used in the United States for about five years. Eisenhower's had it for a bit over two years. It is a small device that is basically like a small umbrella that gets implanted by going up through the vein in the leg and into the heart, and this little umbrella-type device is deployed. And that's the only thing that's left in the heart. That covers the region of the heart where most blood clots form. And over the course of several months, this device will heal in place and if successful, and we follow it up with ultrasound, no blood thinners are subsequently needed. It takes the place of using blood thinners. This is amazing. It sounds like everyone would want the watchman. So Dr. Rubin, who qualifies for this procedure? Presently, the people who qualify for the procedure are patients with atrial fibrillation who carry a heightened risk for stroke associated with the atrial fibrillation, but for one reason or another are not felt to be good candidates for long-term anticoagulation because, as Dr. Feldman said, frail, frequent falls, bleeding problems either from the bladder or from the gastrointestinal tract or for any significant bleeding reasons would be the best patient. So those who have a higher risk for stroke with atrial fibrillation, but for whatever reason, it's not felt that they are good candidates for long-term blood thinners. And then what outcomes can be expected, Dr. Rubin? Thank goodness the outcomes are quite good. The procedure typically, there's variability, of course, but will take anywhere from 25 minutes to an hour and 25 minutes. The likelihood of a successful implant approaches 90% with the present Watchman device, but with the future Watchman device, which we may discuss shortly, success rates for implant may be approaching 95%. And this all comes with a risk with experienced operators of less than 1% of any type of intraoperative or postoperative complication. This really sounds fantastic. So, Dr. Feldman, it sounds like this could offer freedom for those with AFib from blood thinners and worry of stroke risk. Is that right? I don't want to oversell. Even on blood thinners, there's a small risk of stroke that remains. 
same can be said for the implanted device, the left atrial occlusion device, which right now is the Watchman. So it brings the risk of stroke down to a marginal and acceptable level, very similar to people who do not have atrial fibrillation. So there's always a small risk, but it is certainly much safer feeling for patient and doctor when you have a Watchman device in place. This idea about being on anticoagulation or having a Watchman placed is actually being addressed in a trial that will be running at Eisenhower's, one of the centers, where you could be randomized to be on a blood thinner or have a Watchman placed in a 50-50 or one-to-one randomized fashion. In the past, Watchmans were only available for people who couldn't tolerate the blood thinner for some reason or other. But we may be moving to a day where the Watchman could be the first line against strokes for those with atrial fibrillation, and we'll wait to see what the results are. We certainly will be watching that study. And Dr. Rubin, then, does it require a special treatment room or equipment? And what kind of downtime will the patient expect after the procedure? The procedure is done in a hospital setting, and it may be done in an electrophysiology laboratory suite where we specialize in heart rhythm abnormalities or could be done in a cardiac catheterization laboratory. There will be several nurses present. There will frequently be an anesthesiologist present. At Eisenhower, we do use general anesthesia for the procedure, and there are representatives from the company who are supplying the device to be implanted. Downtime, the patients typically stay overnight, although that is not in all cases. Sometimes patients do go home the same day. And in terms of downtime, simply taking it easy for a day to let the puncture site in the groin heal. So the procedure is performed typically from the right groin in a vein, and that's where the watchman begins its insertion process. So we let that area heal for a day, so just taking it easy. But there's no expected significant downtime. Got it, Dr. Rubin. Thank you for that. And then Dr. Feldman, can you tell us about the experience you've had with the Watchmen at this point at Eisenhower? We began the program at the very end of July 2018. That was our first implant. Over the course of these two years, we've now implanted just about 205 devices, so right around 100 devices per year. We've had very good acceptance, and we have a lot of need. And we have this relatively high volume of implants even before we've made big outreach into the community. There's such a demand for patients who've had difficulty with anticoagulants. It puts us actually in a good spot, and given our volume, it makes us the third largest implanting center in Southern California, which even includes all the major med schools. And so we're really proud of what we've been able to do in this short period of time. Well, that experience certainly matters, Dr. Feldman. And then, Dr. Rubin, if you could wrap this up for us, are there any other benefits patients should know about? Any other considerations? All of the implanters have been gaining experience, and nothing substitutes for experience in terms of developing a safer approach to the patient. In addition to the operator's experience, the technology has advanced, and within weeks, Eisenhower will be one of the few centers in Southern California with the newest version of the Watchman, which should provide significant greater safety margin and success in implantation. So we are all very excited for our patients to have this improved device for them. 
Absolutely. Really great information about AFib and the new Watchman technology. Dr. Feldman and Dr. Rubin, this has really been informative. Thank you both for your time today. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. That's Dr. Leon Feldman and Dr. Andrew Rubin. And to learn more, please visit eisenhowerhealth.org. And if you found this podcast helpful, please share it on your social channels and be sure to check the entire podcast library for topics of interest to you. This is Living Well with Eisenhower Health. I'm Bill Klaproth. Thanks for listening. Eisenhower Health, healthcare as it should be.